Welcome to the third episode of the Nerd Chatter Podcast, where last week we had a little catch-up segment on the MCU. Uh, this week we're going to focus on DC as a whole. And as always, I'm joined with my co-host, Garrett. What's up, man? Not much. How's it going? Not too bad. And as per usual, I like to start off the show with a free game segment, with uh, games that we come across that are free or heavily discounted. Uh, this week we have Gen Force 1 Mutagen, which is free on the Epic Game Store until July 7th. It's like an indie top-down RPG with a retro feel. Uh, also on Epic Game Store until July 7th, you have Hood, Outlaws, and Legends. Uh, that one's kind of like a third-person action-adventure game. Uh, it looks pretty good. Uh, then you have, I think it's Iratus or Eratus, Lord of Dread, also free on Epic Game Store until July 7th. Uh, and that one's kind of like a turn-based tactical roguelike RPG. Now, before we get started in the uh, general discussion about DC as a whole, we wanted to have a little trigger warning out there for anybody that might be a little uh, uh, sensitive about the DC topic and the Snyder films and things like that. Um, you know, we're not huge fans of the new DC films and, and you know, we're not going to cover them too much. We're actually going to talk more about uh, the 90s and growing up with DC and kind of the evolution of the characters and, uh, you know, what we remember fondly. So to get the conversation going, you know, we're going to have a little bit of a discussion about uh, growing up with DC and some of the movies that we saw and, and, you know, the toys and the comics and things like that. What's, uh, what's your experience with DC? I mean, my family, or my family, my dad and my brothers and I watched some of the early Batman movies, like the Michael Keaton Batman movie from 1989 and the Val Kilmer Batman, for better or worse, the George Clooney Batmans. I don't know. That was kind of our, what we dipped into was just Batman. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I was kind of the same way growing up in the 90s. I mean, you know, the Val Kilmer film was probably the most advertised one that I remember. I remember a lot of promotional stuff floating around like McDonald's. That's the one with, uh, what is it, Two-Face and Jim Carrey is the Riddler, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I remember that one being pushed pretty heavily, and I remember, like, the difference in the Batmobile. I remember making models. I forget it was whatever model company. What's the model, like, the popular model company? Ramel, Ramel, what is it? Ravel. Ravel. Yeah, I think yeah. Ravel had a um, a pretty movie-accurate version of that Batmobile with, like, the split back wing and or fin, you know, that type of stuff. Um, but goofy, goofy movies. What about the... Uh, what about the original one? Was it 1989 Batman? Yeah. What did you think about that one growing up? I mean, I really liked both of the Michael Keaton because that's that's who was Batman. So I keep track of that. That was the one that we watched the most, at least from what I can remember. So like by the time it hit TV and everything, I, I, I just don't remember that as a kid when I would just be playing with my Legos, you know, in the living room or whatever, as a very young child watching Batman and, you know, seeing Danny DeVito and Jack Nicholson mm. and mm. all of these guys in there yeah. that I equate these, you know, huge famous actors to these Batman movies. Cause that's what, whenever the opportunity was there, that's what my dad was watching. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, those were fun movies, you know, like they were a bit weird because it's uh they're Tim Burton. They have their own like feel, but yeah. I liked it quite a bit. I like Danny DeVito and in, in Batman Returns. A super good part. I love that character. And then the way he played it was just so like weird and creepy. And uh, the way Tim Burton did that with like the, the winter theme. And, and I think it was like Christmas and stuff like that. Uh, mm -hmm. I, just, I just like that, that season in terms of like storytelling. So I like that movie a lot. And then the Val Kilmer one was the third one, right? Yeah, Batman Forever. I got to bring up that list that you shared. 
you want me to repost it? No, 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 I got it. Uh, so we got Batman um, in 1989. What about uh, the Superman, the Donner films back in the day? Did you ever watch those? Kind of like I did not. I I may have, but it it wasn't one that I paid attention to. If that makes sense. Yeah. Pretty corny. It, I mean, it has a certain level of campiness and corniness to it. Um, I mean, obviously the character is just in straight, you know, uh, leotard type of, of outfit. And um, it just looked accurate, though. You know, he looked the part so well. And, you know, it's kind of like a warm and fuzzy type of, of feeling watching those films. However, they're not great, uh, technically, looking back at them now. There's a bunch of interesting films. And like I said in the in the, in the trigger warning uh, section, which we also wrote on the website, if you want to go check out the article, uh, nerdchatter.com uh, wrote a little little blurb on there about what to expect from this episode and, and to not get offended if, if we don't like what you what you love. But yeah, it looks like uh, on this list on Wikipedia, 1978 and 1980 were the Superman films and Swamp Thing, which I remember watching as a kid but never really got into. Superman 3, which I believe was horrible. Supergirl, which is pretty bad. Uh, and then, yeah, right up to Batman. I think that's when, when Batman Returns was 92. So a few years to work on that one. A few years later, Batman Forever. Oh, and then Batman and Robin. Yeah. <laughs> Batman Forever was the Val Kilmer. Batman. Right? Yeah, yeah. Batman Forever yeah, is Val yeah. Kilmer. Uh, Batman and Robin was when they jumped to uh, George Clooney, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, absurd films. I mean, Batman Forever was definitely different. Um, that's when they brought in that really wild and like zany art style, uh, a lot of fluorescence and and stuff like that. Uh, Val Kilmer, I believe, though, played a pretty good character, but like like you said, it's it's all about that um, Michael Keaton. Uh, we talked about that on the MCU episode last week, uh, talking about him making his appearance in uh, Homecoming, uh, and just how good he was, and 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 just the the range of that particular actor is is fantastic. Uh, Steel, <laughs> did you ever watch Steel? That's the Shaquille nope. O'Neal movie. It's absurd that they have that listed on here. It's it's absolutely absurd. Uh, the movie is is super corny. There is no Superman symbology anywhere because I just don't think they allowed it. Something something was weird. Uh, Steel, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the character. Steel is one of the four Supermen in the the uh, the Death of Superman series in, I believe, the late 80s or early 90s when Superman, the character, was officially killed off. Uh, it was actually like a last-ditch effort, I believe, because DC was like in the dumps. Uh, nobody was buying Superman comics, and they were basically just going to like shelf them, you know? Okay. So they uh, they wrote the storyline with um, Doomsday, which is a cool comic. I own a couple copies of it back home, one of which is still in its original. They had a plastic sleeve. Um, I think Superman, the death of Superman, and I think Superman Rises or something. I forget what it is, what comic it is, but there's a black sleeve with a red bloody Superman logo on it. And it was sealed and you open it and it would come with... I believe uh, a newspaper clipping of the death of Superman. It came with a black Superman armband. Uh, where in the comic, when they're when they're you know laying his casket down, all the superheroes that come have the 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 band on their arm. Um, it came with the comic, and it came with like something else. Um, I have a couple copies of the death of Superman. One of which I opened, and then the other one I didn't. And I believe I have the white one, or I never got around to buying it. But it's been a while since I looked. Uh, very monumental because that story is is basically what they took for or the Snyder film, but basically he's uh, Doomsday is a character from space. He's a he's a villain. Uh, basically, what hurts and kills him makes him stronger, and he adapts to it. So, 
like um, the level of strength that it took for Superman to like kill Doomsday at the end of that storyline. You know, he died in the process in the fight. Doomsday comes back and he's not only back, he's also adapted to that level of damage, you know, so he's even harder to kill. Uh, very cool storyline. But when Superman dies, uh, there are four characters that start popping up randomly. One is Superboy. I forget the specific term for the comic books, but uh, they've they've brought the character back in, in certain capacities. But he's a young kid in a, in a one piece uh, kind of like trendy Superman suit. And he has a leather jacket and he has a yellow Superman patch on his back. He's got this, you know, kind of looks like, like how, how, how Zoomers are doing their hair these days with like the curls and it's all poofed up. But he has like kind of, uh, you know, very coiffed hair. Uh, and he's got like sunglasses on, you know, he's supposed to be like the cool kid, uh, but he's Superman. Essentially, he's he's a random character that comes out of nowhere and is like hitting on Lois Lane and, you know, kind of trying to be Superman, but being like bad at it. Turns out, I believe he's a clone. Um, and then there's the Eradicator, which they did on Superman and Lois, I believe. Uh, but essentially, I forget the specific storyline, but I think it's like an alien or something that is kind of like Superman. Uh, he looks like Superman and he kind of dons the, the symbol, but he's really kind of like a like a robot or he's I forget exactly the thing with the Eradicator, but he's not he's not legit. He's an imposter Superman, essentially. Then there is a Superman clone that I forget who they call. But he looks exactly like Superman. Uh, but it turns out he's a cyborg and i think he was like a lex luther cyborg or something akin to that it's been decades but uh something like that and then the fourth one was steel which was a i think he's an iron worker and he looked up and admired superman so much and then when superman died he saw that there was crime on the rise so he fabricated a steel suit uh, that he uses uh, and a gigantic hammer uh, that he goes around and he does his own version of of you know justice under the superman uh, symbology um, these four characters are all considered imposters and then eventually superman comes back turns out i think he's he doesn't he didn't die his his like his heart rate slowed down to like one beat every seven days or 14 days or something like that you know and in that time there's an entire storyline where he's in his head and he's like fighting and he's in that black superman suit and he has like steel uh, steel bondages around his his wrists which is part of his enslavement. It's like this crazy storyline and all that. So uh, that was the inspiration for uh, uh, a lot of the Superman storytelling in the Snyder films. Um, but that was the deal with the 90s was that they killed off that character uh, to bring him back. And then one of the characters that came out of it was Steel. And then they decided to make a super cheap movie with Shaquille O'Neal about it. <laughs> that's, that's the story. I mean, Shaq made a couple movies in that time frame, like Kazam and stuff like that. They're all uh, yeah. mm -hmm. cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like Hulk Hogan and, and his, you know, three ninjas um, and that type of stuff. Um, let's not talk about him. We won't. Um, oh, no. There's the um, Halle Berry Catwoman, which I actually never saw. I just saw clips of it, and it did look pretty bad. That's pretty much all I have to say about that, to be honest. Have you ever seen Constantine? Nope. Constantine is, like, one of my favorite just comic book movies in general. Um, it's just for what it what it was and in its time. It's Keanu Reeves. Uh, and Keanu Reeves, um, it's a little risque of a character, it's a little dark, but um, essentially he was born with the ability to see, like, demons and, like, the dead. And it puts him in a pretty dark place, and in his teenage years, 
attempts suicide. And at the time, he dies and he goes to hell. Um, and I forget if he made a pact or if, if there was something that he did. He spent a, a, a significant amount of time because time in hell is a lot slower. But I, I think he was given the opportunity to return and help whatever beings down in hell to uh, return escaped demons and souls um, back to hell. So he's, it's only like minutes when he's dead, but when he comes back, he's, he's in the ambulance and they bring him back to life. Uh, and then he uses his abilities that, you know, previously drove him crazy uh, to uh, then do the bidding, you know, in hopes of, of earning his way into heaven because of the, you know, the sin, you know, obviously the sin. Um, he's trying to, you know, undo his wrong. And, and, and in the meantime, he's an obsessive smoker and he gets lung cancer and it's a ticking clock type element because he's dying and, you know, he's, he's pretty much lost no matter how many souls and demons he returns to hell uh, and the good that he does. Uh, it's still a mortal sin and, and he's going to hell. So uh, the movie is, is that character. And then at the end, you know, there's a nice, a nice conclusion and relief to it. Um, but I, I consider it to be a nice fun little contained DC film for a character that they have brought back in the TV shows and they've brought him back. in. I think it's like um, the dark, justice league or justice league dark um where he he's rubbing shoulders with like daredevil and and ghost rider and stuff like that you know, they're like their own little bad boy team um so good movie i recommend to be honest you know okay cool so i mean next we have that same year 2005 that constantine came out we have batman begins this is where i really started to pay attention to to batman movies and a little bit of DC movies. I really liked uh, Christian Bale playing Batman. I felt he brought a lot to the role. Then just the the other actors that they had in were pretty high quality. I mean, in uh, Batman Begins, you have some of my favorite actors: Michael Caine, Liam Neeson, Gary Oldman. I mean, Michael that's Caine a pretty strong and Gary cast. Oldman. Yeah, yeah, we have Morgan Freeman. I mean, <laughs> yes, you, you can't beat it's, him. <laughs> it's solid. Like the acting chops in that film is solid. Uh, you know, just the Nolan verse in general, in terms of, of storytelling and, and filmography, uh, yep. impressive. Like I, I remember reading the scripts for, uh, the dark Knight rises and just beat for beat the way that he wrote the start of that film is exact. He was so expressive in exactly how the story was going to be told that it was just, it was, it felt so good to watch this. I've seen it dozens of times like i think in my mcu catch-up i made i made a comment where i've seen it like 60 or 70 times and that that's <laughs> that has to be true because at one point i mean for years when i was doing graphic design and just kind of like you know doing online playing video games and stuff i would have on my other screen or on vlc you know uh always on top you know tucked in one of the corners i would have the dark knight just because everything about that film i loved you know um in regards to like Batman Begins, it doesn't have that like rewatchability for me specifically. You know, it no, it, it's one where you watch every once in a while. I typically like go through that trilogy now, maybe once or twice every couple of years. Except I'll watch The Dark Knight a little bit more. But it it's definitely not one that you can just like put on repeat, if you will, yeah. like you can with like The Dark Knight. It's one that you just watch occasionally, especially if you just want to have like a rerun of 
that trilogy. Mm-hmm. I think really it's the two different feels that you get from the films. Yeah. The one, I mean, the first one does a really good job at establishing the character, but it feels a little bit hokey. I like the uh, third act of the film, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. uh, with the gas and the, the, the imagery. And, and I love the, the scene where he's like coasting over the smoke and people are like looking up and he just looks like all like demonic and like, just, you know, he's just, everybody's losing their mind, you know? So the imagery there is really cool. And that it's like, man bat face you know i don't you remember that scene where where he he sprays the compound in um scarecrow's face and he sees batman kind of the same way that everybody else is freaking out he takes a big dose and just the face on batman is like so gnarly like the makeup was so sick he's like drooling like black like goo and like oh like just so good that type of, of attention uh, so just a shot, you know, just the detail of, of what he had in mind is is why those no uh, the the Nolan films in in general were just like a different level, you know. Uh, the second mm-hmm. film though, the feeling for that one, it felt like there was an urgency, like you needed to get to the next scene because you know shit was going down, you know there was there was a constant like upping of the pace, you know, where you were just something's going to happen. You need to get to the next scene. You need to figure out what's going on. You need to get this like sorted out because this guy is, is a lunatic. You're just always kind of in this sense of urgency with that film. So I love it. Heck yeah. And then when you got Superman returns. Yeah. I didn't catch that one. Um, I mean, didn't you catch that? Yeah. Superman returns was the one that I think was, it's supposed to take place between the second and third film or the first and second film between two of the original Donner films. It's supposed to pick up where that left off. It's a it's a fairly emo storyline. The action is 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 kind of lame. Um, it's I, I think it's made by Brian Singer for one thing. So the storytelling is definitely different. Um, you know we don't talk about Brian Singer anymore, but I, I believe he was the one that made that film. He is okay. Directed by Brian Singer. Um, so it had a very somber. Now, however, the the symbology and kind of the 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 soaking in of, of the imagery of, of Superman in that film was uh, very nice. You know, like they, they beautified the, the, the original image for that character and just kind of how uh, Christopher Reeves came off. Cause he looks very much like Christopher Reeves and uh, the way that they've done this. And, and I'm not versed in, in the whole Arrowverse and, and all that stuff, but I do know that they've brought these characters back with the infinite crisis storyline it's much like multiverse uh, situation in marvel they both have their stories involving parallel universes and that's how they write off you know this batman is different from this batman and this joker is not in the same world as this joker that's why there's two of them you know you do see um i forget what what's his name the character the the actor um, brandon ralph i believe it is he comes back in a future role as superman but he plays i believe the kingdom come superman which is my favorite version of superman Um, i do believe i haven't seen it but i do believe i've seen pictures online of him in the the black symbol kingdom come outfit which it's after everybody he knows and loves dies of old age and he's kind of left alone without the people that he loves and He's kind of went off and did his own thing and he's not really involved with society anymore. And and people with superpowers have, have become common because people have the ability. I think there was just something, forget the storyline. I have to go back and read it. It's been a while, but uh, there's an abundance of villains and superheroes just going around causing mayhem and havoc. And 
these faux heroes that are out there just doing renegade justice and, and uh, it brings Superman and all the other Justice League uh, out of retirement. Um, but it also revolves around a scenario where it, there's potential to be a catastrophic, you know, ending of civilization type type scenario. Um, it's very heavy in in in, in biblical references. Um, the 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 beauty of Alex Ross artwork in that book as well. Um, so it's kind of cool that they took those characters and they've kind of added and and adapted a little bit. So um, that's really all I got from that film. Aside from that, Superman Returns was was really boring. Uh, it was very showy in terms of of imagery, but uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, did go see it though on release day. Dark Knight. I mean, I I said what I like about Dark Knight. What do you, What about you? I mean, Dark Knight is just such a good movie. The acting, literally all around, is fantastic. I mean, I just want to talk about Heath Ledger. I just want to talk about him. Everything that went down with him. I mean, it's super tragic. He's that what happened and everything that he was doing to get into the part of Joker ultimately led to his death. Like that's super sad, but I mean, he did such a good job. I I think he locked himself in like a hotel room for what, like three months or something like that. And just kind of like doodled and intentionally lost his mind. I don't recall the official, the official cause of death, but I recall there being drugs and stuff involved and a combination of certain things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I just looked it up. Heath died on January 22nd of 2008. So it, the movie hadn't even come out yet. I do remember that. That was really telling mm-hmm. and not telling, just really weird to have that happen. Um, they did a toxicology report where they found a whole bunch of prescription drugs and um, it looked like to be an accidental overdose of mm-hmm. the prescribed medicines that he was on. I mean, he had oxycodone, hydrocodone, diazepam, and all. There's lots of different. Um, I, I'm trying to think of what the, they're called. I think benzodiazepines. I think that's the official term. Um, yeah. Well, oxy. I mean, you just you can OD on oxy alone. You don't need to. Oh, oh, a, yeah. A but it was the pills. combination in yeah. this instance that that did him in. Super tragic. Too. Like. I growing up too, Super in, tragic. In, in high school, I mean, chicks were so about that dude. What was it? A knight's tale or something that, that he was. Oh, in? heck yeah, so man. He was like, I mean, even as a guy, that movie was epic because he did such a good job. I mean, I didn't, I never saw it actually, but uh, I do know that you, you haven't, was, I would recommend uh, it. I mean, he, he was like the, like Robert Pattinson, twilight type, you know, level of hysteria at the time. And, you know, you do have you do have the the stars being hit with questions and stuff when when premiering the film and and doing uh, interviews and stuff like that. I remember, so uh, yeah, really sad because just what he did with that character was so good. And at the time, people were cautious. Uh, you know, much like any other version of the character since, but um, what he did with it was was so unique. Well, it was revolutionary for the Joker character. Yeah, because before that, it was just wild and zany, you know, and angry. Like, but he made him like crazy, you know. Like he, that's because because mm-hmm. there's a certain. I mean, he's like a slapsticky type of character in the comic books, you know, very uh, wingding type of, you know, silly. Yeah. But at the same time, he's insane, and you're afraid of that insanity because he has an obsession with knives, and he is determined you know and and he is that that anarchist type character and and the way that he depicted it uh, even if he didn't look that way would have came off the same way you know it just uh, an amazing performance and and super sad to see that we weren't going to get any more of it yeah i mean from what it sounded like there there was going to be more in Mm -hmm. the dark knight rises but 
I mean, they completely wrote him out be, to, yeah. because they didn't want to replace him. There, well, there's no way to replace him. Was he? He was filming like a Buddy Holly movie, or oh god, I forget. He was filming some movie where he was. It was like a biopic of a of an old um, musician. He was already working on another project when when he passed. He wasn't. He wasn't just. You know, it wasn't like while they were filming. Much like Princess Leia, I think, where she had passed, and they had to just keep editing around her type thing. And the film was mm-hmm. done. It was ready for you know for its its it's the theatrical premiere and stuff and then he was already working on another project and because of all the the stress and stuff that he put himself through and then the combination of the drugs that's what what caused it so i don't know if that movie ever came out i don't know if they ever finished it but um technically the dark knight was not his his final film um so we could talk about dark knight all day which i mean now at some point i'm sure we'll have a, a commentary track on patreon uh for the dark knight and we'll, we'll pull that out of thin air even if we don't watch the other ones just because i'm down <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm down for that too. For sure. Uh, Watchmen. This is our Zack Snyder introduction to the DC uh, universe. What'd you think? Did you ever see it? I never saw it. You never saw it? Watchmen? Wow. I need to have some disclosure here. I never really got into DC movies other than Batman. I mean, I watched a couple of the other later movies, like the Wonder Woman movies, mainly because of my wife. Mm-hmm. I did watch Shazam because I like uh, Zachary Levi from yeah. good old Chuck back in the day. But it just never caught my eye. I, I never got into the comics. Like, this is uh, pretty foreign to me other than, than Batman. Yeah. So I'll, I'll clarify just because you're not you're not in the whole comic realm. And this is an objective, objective opinion, obviously. But uh, I think pretty confident to say that Marvel does the films well. However, DC writing characters, uh, the storytelling, uh, the maturity level of the comic books... Uh, makes DC better when it comes to the comic books themselves. So I think uh, most people would, I mean, you have your diehard fans of, of the DCEU, they'll they'll love it regardless, but I think it's pretty obvious just based on numbers and, and uh, efficiency of Marvel, they do the MCU uh, better than DC does the DCEU. Okay. When it comes to uh, the artwork and stuff like that, like it's so much more memorable when you look at a DC comic with like Jim Lee and you know all these other artists, uh, Carrillo, um, that type of thing. Uh, I think Mickey, uh, Danny Mickey. Um, funny story about Danny Mickey. Danny Mickey's uh, an inker uh, for when I when I met him, kind of met him. Um, it was in 2005. I had moved down to San Diego after high school, uh, and we were trying to start this kind of like online brand that revolved around my buddy who skateboarded and he needed sponsors. So kind of made a sponsor for him uh, and did some artwork for boards and stickers and stuff like that. So back home in Upland, California, my buddy was uh, skating and this long haired dude comes up to him and he's like, uh, you know, cause my buddy was like handing out stickers and I think my buddy went up to him and, and, and handed him some stickers and they started to chit chat about him. And so he's like, Oh, you know, I, I work on the spawn comics. You know what spawn is? You know, have you ever heard of spawn? Have you seen spawn? No, he's, uh, had comic runs in the past with, with, uh, Batman, uh, but essentially kind of like a Constantine character where he goes to hell. And he gets turned into like um, a minion of, of of the demons or whatever, and he's sent to Earth with all these superpowers to uh, destroy monsters and and collect souls of of uh, the unjust and evil and stuff. Cool character. It's another dark character. 
So he's like, I work on Spawn, you know, like uh, I'm looking for, for something to put into this next issue. Would you guys mind if, if I use your logo? And my buddy's, yeah, yeah. And he gave him my email and this guy contacted me and, and chit-chatted a little bit. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I work for Marvel too. So he started sending me inkings of Marvel comics, like super famous comic books. Now, like you look up Hulk comic and sure enough, within like the first 20, you know, results, uh, one of them is a Danny Mickey artwork where he inked it and most likely he scanned it and sent it to me just so that I could check it out before it even went to the printer to, or the you know, the colorist to be colored. Uh, so it was really cool like relationship with that dude growing up just because he was like a rad skater dude. Uh, he put our, uh, I think it's, um, it's a spawn issue. I think it's like number 148. Uh, he put our website's logo on a billboard and he put it on the wall and he put it like somewhere else in the centerfold of the comic book, which was really cool. So at the time, although, you know, I liked like uh, X-Men and Avengers and stuff like that, um, him moving over to DC and, and me getting familiarized with that art style over there with Jim Lee and the other artists that I mentioned, um, it was pretty obvious that that's where it was at. So the Watchmen is Snyder's introduction into the DC uh, world, period. Uh, this isn't establishing the DCEU. You said you hadn't seen the Watchmen. Um, I, I <laughs> recommend it. It's a bit dark. It's got some adult themes. I mean, it's a Snyder film. So this was like his ideal comic book film. Uh, this because Zack Snyder grew up and this might be a shock to, to, to most people here. Uh, Zack Snyder didn't read comic books, nor did he care about comic books at all growing up. And this is something that he said blatantly. He did not care. He thought they were dumb, uh, but he had a friend in college who was into comics, but he also liked heavy metal. Uh, and that was the comic that he could get behind because it had like sex and violence and blood and gore and all this shit, you know? Um, so you're looking at like this frat bro dude, uh, you know, type mentality, um, when it comes to making these properties, he literally is just like, yeah, that's cool and all, but how come nobody's getting their heads cut off? And like, you know, like, how come there's no like adult stuff, like, like rape and violence and stuff like that, that should be in there. He actually made a comment at one point saying that, uh, you know, if he had, if he had his way and he had, you know, the opportunity, uh, he would build a world where, uh, you know, Bruce Wayne was in prison and while in prison, he was raped and that, and that would, uh, you know, affect his outlook. And, and that's the, that's the type of storytelling that, that, uh, I want to tell more adult type storyline where something real like that affects the character and really changes the way that the storytelling is being done. That is literally, I mean, not verbatim, but that paraphrasing, that is what he said. That is the person that they decided to give the reins for like Batman and Superman and all these other characters and stuff like that. So, um, the Watchmen That's crazy to me. Yeah, it is. Um, but the Watchmen was where that belonged, you know, because that is the type of story that is. So that movie is good and it is shot well because, you know, prior to that he had 300, 300 was a phenomenon. Did you ever see 300? Um, parts of it. The Watchmen was a, a really good fit for that type of slow motion, dramatic panning, uh, muted color palette. Uh, it's a perfect story for that because it does involve very uh, risque topics and 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 some very graphic imagery. So I mean, if you're up for it, it's a it's it's a watch for any other like basic comic book fan that is willing to absorb whatever they can get their hands on. Watchmen is like a must watch uh, because the book is really good uh, and the film it you know it was pulled off well. And then the next is Jonah Hex. 
That's a dud. Did you ever see Jonah Hex? I haven't. I mean, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for it right now. I mean, it has some really great actors. Josh Brolin, John Malkovich. I mean, John Malkovich is a great actor. I love some of the comedy stuff he does. Like, have you ever seen the movie Red? Yeah, I like Red. Oh, I love Red. He does such a good job in that movie. Um, It's one of my favorite portrayals of just a a character gone crazy and from, you know, LSD and whatever (laughs) else. He went through, yeah, yeah, um, tin, at least hat. that character. Yeah. But I mean, Michael Fassbender is a great actor as well. I, I, I mean, it. Yeah, I forget it who looks Michael, like it should be a good movie, but uh, from what it sounds like, it just wasn't. I forget who Michael Fassbender plays. To be honest, uh, Megan Fox is the uh, love appeal. Jonah Hex is played by Josh Brolin. Uh, Jonah Hex. It's another one of those dark DC universe characters. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to tell you too much about it. I do know that the storyline takes place in the West, in the Wild West. So the advent of like machine gunnery and stuff like that, um, heavy artillery, things like that weren't, I mean, you had cannonballs, but there were no, you know, crazy types of technology in regards to, to warfare. So I remember, I think I remember the, the, the basis of that story is John Malkovich's character is a villain and uh he's basically a terrorist and he has kind of like his own death star i think it's like a boat or some type of vehicle that is essentially the first ever like battleship or um tank essentially it has gigantic guns on it and i think there's a certain level of of mysticism because the type of ammunition that's being used in this thing has very dramatic results you know like it's imbued with are you, some are type you talking of... about like like an ironclad warship from like the 1850s to like something like that like 1900 I, I i just haven't seen it in so long because the movie wasn't received very well but i did see it a couple okay. times um i do recall it might not even be like a water-based vehicle i do recall though that they have access to a certain type of uh, weaponry that is devastating like okay. it's like dropping mini nukes in a world where there's only revolvers you know that type of stuff so i thought it was a cool movie megan fox is like eh. uh josh brolin his face is like all messed up and you know you see like through his cheek to his teeth and stuff and they did that really well like you know for what it is if you want to watch like some stupid movie it's not that bad i i would you know give it a watch if you got nothing else to watch it's whatever have you ever seen Green Lantern? Uh, yeah. yeah, I've seen it a couple times. Um, at first, I thought it was just like a you know just a comic book movie, and I mean it it, it didn't really shake me one way or the other. Then the more times I watched it, it was like, oh, this is a bad movie, <laughs> and it, it it gets worse with every single watch. I feel like so I haven't watched it in a, I don't know how many years now, but it it's been. I mean, it came out 11 years ago, right? Mm, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't seen it in probably five or six years because it just kept on getting worse and worse and worse. But, uh, you know, I've seen it uh, a couple times. I mean, it is. I just think the main issue with that is just how corny and hokey it looked. Um, you can also tell that they were really forcing Ryan Reynolds to tone it down. You yeah. Yeah. It's like I mean, he's way more witty than what they allowed him to be in that film. And if he given if given the opportunity, he would have been 
like way way more entertaining you know with ryan reynolds i think you just have to let him be free or give him very strict parameters to operate in and then i feel like in this one they were trying to let him be free but then we're like okay you but you can't do that you can't do that you can't do that because i mean he does really good other movies where he's given parameters to work in i mean like did you ever see the this, this is a chick flick but the proposal with sandra bullock uh no but i've seen many references to that i have seen um Damn. just friends i've seen just friends a lot uh, way more than I'd, i should be admitting to the public but i have <laughs> seen that movie quite a bit amy smart was like you know bay back then and he was funny and it was it wasn't like a chick flick necessarily you know but mm-hmm. yeah, i've watched that movie movie quite a bit yeah but i mean he all of these other the stuff that he's been in where he's given really good parameters to work in mm-hmm. he does great van wilder um, waiting yeah, I've seen I've seen quite a few. I, I like Van Wilder quite a bit, actually. It's a National Lampoon film. Came out a long time ago, so it's it's dated. Yeah. A bit. But um, I mean, as an actor, I mean, he's he's like top notch. You know, he's top tier. He's like effortlessly funny. Um, you know, good looking cat. He fit that role. I think he would have been a better Flash, to be honest. I think. But he, I, I don't, I don't want him as anyone now, except Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. I mean, he, he. I mean, obviously, he that he plays that role really, really well. Um, he is Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think stature wise, he could be a little bulkier. Um, but all in all, his his mannerisms, his wittiness, his ability to be obnoxious when necessary is definitely Deadpool. And uh, the way they did that character is like super good, which we'll talk about briefly here. Oh, we never even got to that. The Deadpool last oh, week? No, whatever. Hey. All right. Well, so we'll retro- have a segment in another week. No, no. Retroactively, if you're listening to this show, go ahead and add that uh, in your mind to the previous show that we both love Deadpool <laughs> 1 and 2. Yes. 1 for sure. 2 a little bit meh, but still funny. Uh, the X-Men references, awesome. Love it. All that good stuff. But yeah, anyways. Yep. Uh, back to the Green Lantern. Uh, it was the visuals. I think the, the environment he was also acting in, the green screen overload, uh, his probably not even being next to the actor he's supposed to be talking to it just makes it difficult to act which you know we didn't really get into when it came to the the, the trilogy you know star wars um but the prequels whew, that was rough i mean those those guys were it's hard acting in a room that's that's all one color and sometimes not even with another actor you're talking to like a ball on a stick yep um it's yep. hard you know i mean i saw a clip on a red letter media uh, episode where they were talking about that as well, and they had a clip from Lord of the Rings, I think, where uh, Ian McKellen is is sitting there having like a nervous breakdown because he he just can't do it. He just he doesn't know where to pull the emotion from and, and how to properly act. Literally crying and like shaking because he's like I can't do it. You know, he's sitting there in this little miniature room made out of green foam and shit and trying to act these scenes out and and he just can't do it you know so i mean it's a lot to that's ask from crazy because he's such a good actor like, i mean omega that would level make sense yeah. oh seriously like <laughs> omega it, level. it makes <laughs> it makes sense that like he pulls from the energy of other people yeah. and i mean a lot of i think to be a good actor that you have to pull from the energy uh, around you and if you're just in a, a green room filled with green objects talking to nothing. someone off stage or <laughs> yeah. nothing or a dot on the, I mean, on the table or something I, yeah i mean i can 100 percent see that happening and that's super sad like that's that's where we're at in filmmaking yeah. i mean we're kind of making a resurgence back yeah. towards 
having real effects and real things. I mean, something to work with, you know, something for the, for the actors to work with, like the Mandalorian set, you know, which is so crazy. The the volume, the unreal engine, the way it works too with it is just beautiful. It's absurd. It should be just everything. Everything should use that, you know, everything, (laughs) every movie. I I think they're going to be heading that direction. That looks um, good too. There, there's obviously some limitations, and I think we saw those limitations in the Obi Wan series as far as the volume goes. But mm-hmm. it's it's so minor of a like a limitation, and they're they're going to work out the kinks. It's only yeah. going to get better. Well, I mean, also too, just I, I saw a clip of them filming or pictures of them filming a scene from uh, Love and Thunder, the Thor film, uh, in that room or something akin to it and the camera was coming out of the ceiling out of a little hole and the imagery of the sky was being projected on the wall around the camera so the light from the lightning that was being shown on the ceiling was being reflected down onto chris hemsworth as if it was actually lightning in the sky you know so i mean that's another thing that that is it's uh, real real it gives off that reality you know yeah Oof. So, um, I'm really excited for that technology to really blossom. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's already doing so well. It's like I said, it's only going to get better and it gives a, a feeling of, of realness to mm. the actors that we haven't had for a long time. Cause it's just been yeah, green screens. Exactly. They're pulling it out. Green lantern walked so that, uh, Mandalorian could run, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the sacrifice. To the industry. <laughs> we, we love you. Green lantern. Uh, I hope that yeah. I hope that character gets its its second attempt. Uh, there's many other Green Lantern characters that they could use. Bring him in. Um, you know, I mean, if if you want to look at how they could pull it off, look at Miss Marvel. Very similar in that you know she's using kind of like a an essence of force. You know, mm-hmm. rather than stretching her body like in the in the comics and stuff like that. It's it's like a Green Lantern ring. You know, so um, yeah. Okay, so real quick, I'm I'm looking at the IMDb page for Green Lantern and. <laughs> Taika Waititi is in it. <laughs> did, did you realize that? I remember. I remember seeing his name on there. I, I could have swore that he played one of the characters, but now I think about it, uh, neither of the voices of the two other lanterns that I remember have his voice. Hmm. I mean, it's none, none of the other ones do. His yeah. voice is just so fun. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, so I, I don't think I'll be returning to Green Lantern anytime soon. Uh, much like anybody else uh, on the face of the planet. Um, yeah, I mean that's understandable. I'm in the same same boat. So 2000, that was in 2011, but 2012 you have Dark Knight Rises, which is the cap to the Nolan verse. Uh, what was your yeah. take on that film at the time? I mean, I loved it. It was sad not having the Joker in that film. Oh, and, it, and like I felt like there was a place for the Joker to be in uh, next to Bane and everything, and have banter there between those two characters. Um, I definitely felt like there was some rewriting that happened. Very minor criticism, though, all told. Tom Hardy did such a good job, and he bulked way up for that character as Bane. It was fun to see Joseph Gordon-Levitt come in. Don't like the twist I of mean, that character. It was offensive, even. <laughs> Do not like it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, they had a great list of actors in here. It was good. It, it just The Dark Knight was such a good movie, and having this as the follow-up, like there, there was disappointment because of... of Dark Knight was so good. It's like this Infinity one. War and Endgame. You know, it's like there's no way Endgame yeah. is going to be better than Infinity War. Much like there's no way that 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 this Batman film was going to be better than Dark Knight. Still great. I mean, the Dark Knight trilogy is by far the best Batman, in my opinion. Um, and 
the, especially the surrounding characters of Batman, I don't think anything else compares. A really good Alfred, too. You know? Oh, Michael Caine. Yeah, just so good. That's all we have to say, Michael yeah. Caine. Just so good. You just love listening to him talk. And you actually did. <laughs> when he when he was giving advice, it's like you felt like it was, it was necessary. You know, it was like. Oh, he knows, you know, uh, you don't get that from these, mm-hmm. these other, these other characters, um, or these other, other actors that are playing this character. And, uh, some of them just outright bad. Some of them way too young. Just, I don't know. Uh, the, the DCEU and I know that the Joss Whedon involvement had an effect on that character in particular, but just the character in general, I just didn't like the way that he was portrayed in those, in the newer films. I think, um, Michael Caine is like a, perfect example of what that character should be you know and even more so i mean in the comics portrayed as a very stoic butler you know like he still upheld that that role uh, the entire time you don't get that too much from from michael kane aside from him bringing him food and 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 you know that type of thing but um i mean we're talking like tuxedo wearing hand behind the back waiter is is what you got from alfred mm-hmm these all these films expand on that character and try to make him like a, a stand-in father figure which you know rightfully so uh, but the way that they did that in that film or those films all three of them uh, was so good with that character uh, I, I do love the end scene of that movie a lot i don't know if you remember it. it's where he goes uh to have that very very bitter liqueur in i think it's like france or italy and he sits down and uh, Bruce Wayne is is sitting in, in another uh, chair with um, Catwoman and yep. Selena Kyle, and uh, you know he nods at him and stuff. And prior, you get that where he's telling him, you know, it's 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 all it's a setup and payoff. But the setup is, you know, he tells him that, you know, when you were gone, I was hoping that you know I would I would go to have this drink at at this at this cafe, and you know I would look at at people and hope one day that I would see you there with a family and having you know and living a life and and. And not being involved with all this and at the end of the film you explicitly see that and it's just like warm and fuzzy and even the way that yep. that um way anne hathaway is uh like just kind of looking around just like Nora, she it looks like she's like she doesn't know the camera's on you know so she's she's doing it really well even though it's a slight detail but it just looks like she's just sitting there having a good time just kind of looking around whatever um and he mm-hmm. toasts him and stuff you know uh, he gets up and doesn't drink his drink, which is like triggering to me, but I do like the way that movie uh, ended off and, and you can kind of get, you know, there's the talk about the autopilot and, and the, and the, uh, the bat wing and, 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 you know, it, where could he have gone? Did, could he, did it, did he set it on autopilot? Did he jump out? Blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, you're not, you're not left with that cliffhanger as to whether or not he survived, you know, he survived. Um, but you also know that everybody else thinks that Batman is gone. Uh, so it was a good little cap to that story if you're going to consider it a contained story. And I mentioned Jason Gordon-Levitt's character in uh, the film at the very last second, you know, it being a twist that his last name is Robin or something. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Like, that's not what that is. That's not that's not who that character is. And, you know, anybody that knows anything, it's, you know, Dick Grayson is the first Robin. And uh, Dick Grayson is... a uh, trapeze artists and you know his parents die from a, a freak accident uh and is left orphaned where bruce wayne was at the event and saw it happen and took him in and eventually he became a robin 
uh, which when he aged out of the Robin role, uh, he became Nightwing. So you have, you know, this evolution of the character. You have all these different Robins, but they all have their own name. <laughs> it's the character that's named Robin. So being like, oh, why don't you go by your last name, Robin? And he just like smirks. And it's just so... Ugh. I do not like that. <laughs> uh, as far as a uh, Bane as a character, there were some rewrites. Uh, the breaking of his back is an iconic uh, imagery from from uh, Batman, just lore in general. Now, originally, the character is supposed to be a Mexican wrestler who is injected with a green substance that inflates his muscles and makes him gigantic and yeah. raging. I mean, and uh, what was it, Batman and Robin film? Mm -hmm. Where you have, oh god, you know all of the. Why you gotta the, talk the about that? Why you gotta thing? bring? Why you I mean, gotta bring up old shit? No, no, because Bane <laughs> is in that movie. who gets filled with a green goo and so bad. then bulges up, it's and so then it, like goes from intelligent to dumb. <laughs> with the green goo i remember there's a scene where he's like being uh poison ivy's like driver like chauffeur and he has a little cap on he has like a like yep. a fedora and, and a trench coat on it's just ridiculous uh yeah i mean yeah what the liberties <laughs> that they took with the character was fine like i have no problems with it because you know how are you gonna make that cut that type of character in real life unless he was just a a yoked like bodybuilder wrestler who was literally taking like a, a drug that didn't you know, make him big, but it made him like crazy, you know, like, like enraged and, and just able to take more damage. That type of, that's really the only way you could do it and stick close to what it was. Dahlia Al Ghul, I think is the daughter's name. I might be wrong on the first name. Um, I do know that she is a character in the comic books, uh, and is, a, a a love interest from time to time. Um, I think I saw a reference to her in the cartoon, even at one point, uh, Raz Al Ghul for sure. Which played mm -hmm. by played by you know Qui Gon our boy uh, yep. you know so you got you gotta love it but it's Talia Talia Al Ghul <laughs> that's right my bad my bad my bad so yeah Dark Knight Rises I think we can all just agree that it's a it's a good movie it's not the best out of the trilogy but it was better than the first in my opinion uh, but nothing will ever beat the Dark Knight probably ever to be honest I mean Infinity War maybe but it's pretty it's a pretty perfect movie to me no I completely agree with the assessment as far as the trilogy goes. Um, the Dark Knight Rises that is that solid second place. Batman Begins is that first or the the last place, but nothing will beat the Dark Knight. True. So what do you got here? Man of Steel. Now this is where you kind of started to fall off, right? Well, I did watch Man of Steel. Um, I think we have it on Blu-ray. My wife really liked that movie, so I think I watched it when either when we were dating or after we got married. Within the last six or seven years ish. This uh, oh. this movie. This, okay. <laughs> so, like, you know, we all grew up with our favorite comic book characters. You know, we have... Of course. We have our, our preferences. Mine was Superman. Now, some people would, would, you know, consider that to be, you know, like, oh, like, everybody's Superman or everybody's Batman or, or why would you like Superman? He's just overpowered and blah, 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 one-dimensional. And it's like, you have all the years leading up to when he becomes Superman... Uh, you have the years in Smallville, which I was a huge fan of, of Smallville. Um, uh, solid memories with that. But the show did a really good job, um, you know, establishing how Clark Kent is as a human, even though he's not. He is supposed to be more human than your average person. He's supposed to show more compassion than your average person. And he's supposed to know what is right and wrong. Like when Superman enters the arena, you're supposed to know for a fact that everything is going to be all right because you know for a fact that he will do whatever it takes 
to protect, you know, those people or, or whatever it may be in that situation. Like he will do what's mm -hmm. right. Um, and the way that that man of steel portrayed it is that you get a lost downtrodden Clark Kent where you don't get, uh, um, a very in-depth look back at how he becomes the person he's supposed to become. You know, you get the scenes with him and, and Jonathan Kent, uh, and they're your, your cookie cutter scenes, you know, um, you get his first flight, you know, you get the father of, of, you know, telling his son that, you know, he should, he should worry about his own safety. Um, mm -hmm. and even though he was being faced with all of these, huge responsibilities the ability to fly the ability to burn things with his eyes the ability to freeze things with his breath super speed the ability to to fly in space and hold his breath for for like you don't know years or something like that um becoming more powerful with sun uh and his weaknesses you know it's like you get all of this development through smallville and 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 the city and and his involvement with with learning the struggles of of doing the right thing even when you want to do what's best for you, you know, to always choose the good. When he became Superman, he became Superman when he went to the Fortress of Solitude and he spoke with Jarrell uh, when he was of age. He becomes Superman there when he learns um, even more about his culture, about his powers, his abilities, uh, what that means in terms of his strength and his vulnerabilities of becoming good or bad and that you have everything that he learned in Smallville and what Jonathan Kent and Martha Kent raised him and taught him to be defining who he is as the, the character that left the Fortress of Solitude. And there's, there's other storylines. Um, I think it's Red Sun Superman where I think the ship inbound, it hit something and diverted and landed in Soviet Russia. Uh, you're fed a lot of like hope terminology um, but that is a byproduct of what fans and writers of superman got over the years from the character it's like mm -hmm. well when you think about superman he really stands for hope because when he enters the room when he enters a situation you're given hope no matter no matter the weight of the circumstances you're given the hope that he, that he, that it's going to be all right. You know what I mean? So like, it felt like in Man of Steel and all the other movies in the, in the Snyder verse, it felt like they knew that, but they didn't want to, they didn't want to earn it. So they just kind of told you that's what it is. And you're supposed to take it at that. Like literally he, he sits down and he has an exposition dump to, um, Lois Lane about, oh, the symbol means hope and you know, blah, blah, blah. Like this, you know, it's, you don't need to have that told to you. You know, that is a feeling <laughs> that is an emotion that you're supposed to get from the material that you're being given. So uh, right off the bat, I had a, a standoffish approach to the Man of Steel and how they how they portrayed Superman. It wasn't a lost cause by that point, though. You know, it, it still could have been something, um, but they immediately were like, OK, we got Superman. Now let's get Batman in here because that's what people really want. And then everything became about Batman. And that's when we get Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Did you ever see that one? I tried to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had to turn it off. It, it just didn't make sense to me. Like it, I, they, it felt like they were trying so hard to have this darker movie or the, the two heroes that, you know, a lot of people adore are fighting each other. And I mean, it didn't make sense that they would fight each other. I know there's comics that are that, but I don't know. It just yeah. didn't sit right. And that's, and that's, that's the cop out, right? There's, there's so many different versions of these characters. 
that whatever you feel is wrong because it could be this, it could be that. Uh, your take on it isn't the only take on it. Uh, this comic, this one single run in 1989 explained this, and that means that this could be true. You know, who yeah. are you to say? Like, that's that's the mentality of, of this fandom is, you know, just because you think it should be a certain way doesn't mean that's the way it should be. You know, just take what you can get and like it type thing. And I disagree. When it comes to a character being sidelined and, and just tossed aside like a secondary character, it's Superman, for Christ's sake. It is Superman. He is DC. You know what I mean? Like, I understand that Detective Comics, you want a little bit of detective action in your in your comic books. Um, you know, that's that's why you get, you know, the Batman, like the new film. It's a little more noir. But you don't need to drag Superman into it. That's not who Superman is. That's not the character of Superman. And just because the character can be morphed to fit in the world of Batman better doesn't mean you had to. Like the characters are supposed to be two completely different opposite ends of the DC spectrum where literally cover art was, was made frequently depicting that that you have the sunny, bright, shiny metropolis with the glowing radiant Superman. And then the dark grungy nighttime rat infested Gotham with, with Batman looming over, you know, like you have those two completely different worlds that makes it unique when those two characters work together and they mm -hmm. just didn't do that. Like you just don't have that established world, uh, of, of either characters. You have a metropolis that's shot like it, like it's, it's downtown metro or downtown Gotham in the dark Knight rises or the dark Knight. You know, you have these, it's just a muted color palette and that's just, mm -hmm. it gives off the vibe. Like, like everything is geared towards Batman and, and, I mean, I'm going to say it, you know, like you might think Batman is a cooler character, uh, that his comics are cool because they get a little heady and, and detective-y, but as far as, as depth of a character, it's not very deep. You know what I mean? Like it's as deep as any human storyline can be. And you oh, want to yeah. get creative. You want to get out there with like the comic realm and get a little zany and, and, and wild. Uh, Superman is a lot more uh, versatile with, with handling those types of storylines. So that was Dawn of Justice. Uh, probably not going to talk too much more on that. There's a lot of issues with that. That's a lot of issues with that film. And it's just going to yeah. piss people off if we go into detail about it. You know, we'll have a discussion some other day and we'll throw it up on Patreon so that if you want to yell at us, you have to pay for it. But uh, when it comes down to a film and the way they portrayed Superman, I don't mind Batman. I think Ben Affleck, he could have kept playing that role, probably pulled it off better if he had better direction. But Agreed. Dawn of Justice was an injustice, 100%. Uh, the first Suicide Squad. I saw that one. I felt like they, it was just, everything was rushed in the story. I, I, I felt like it could have been a little bit longer and let things sit. Um, I did not like Jared Leto as the Joker. Mm. Um, Bad. Yeah. However, the other people I felt like did a, a decent enough job that it, it it felt okay as a whole. Have you seen Have you seen the new Suicide Squad? I haven't yet. No, I I probably will eventually. Just not yet. Yeah, that's the uh, the James Gunn. It's a lot more artsy, flashy. I thought it was Deadshot in that film actually that Idris Elba played, but uh, it looks like it's Bloodsport, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a a sick mask that that character has. Super dope Deadshot in in the first film. It was a little distracting because I just really didn't like the costume design, but. Uh, Idris Elba played a cool character in the, in the new film, and uh, his costume was super sick when he was wearing it. So, 
it's still worth the watch because it's it's an enjoyable film even though it's a little gory um but it's creative let's okay, let's, cool. let's rapid fire through these last ones like i said in the beginning <laughs> we're not going to talk too much about the snyderverse because we're not big fans of them uh, but we do have uh, wonder woman uh the first one as well as wonder woman 1984 um i saw wonder woman the first one the direction of the first film was good it was it was watchable the the movement and the action was a lot better the the cgi the stagger the the uncanny valley aspect of the cgi that that warner brothers does for these dc films are, are kind of hokey uh, but Wonder Woman felt more genuine. It kind of felt like, um, I mean, it was still using CGI, but it kind of felt like an Iron Man or a Captain America level realism and, and proper combination of, of CGI. And, and uh, it fit really well. What was it? World War One, World War Two? Uh, I believe it had World War One. Oh, man, it's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, you saw Wonder Woman 1984, right? I did not. I did. I, I did watch it. Uh, my wife really likes the Wonder Woman movie, so we've seen him a couple times. The second one is kind of interesting. I mean, it's a jump in time. They have that. There's a stone that they have in the movie that grants you a wish, but there's a cost of your wish. And our uh, boy Mando, Pedro Pascal, he plays the, the lead antagonist, if you will, of the movie, where he's basically having all these people wish things for him and building up this big empire. But one of the things that Wonder Woman gets is uh, what's it, what's the love interest? Um, Steve T- Trevor gets him back as part of her wish and yeah i um, saw didn't she like make a wish and then just some like random person turned into him or something yeah yeah it, it's kind of crazy and it ends up being like it's kind of dark in the end and um because she like you know goes off with this person who like had a, a life and like di- yeah. essentially disappears as that person for the whole movie yeah, and what's um, that all about <laughs> kind of a little weird uh, like i said it, it, it's it's pretty weird um yeah. so pedro pascal's character is maxwell lord which is a super villain that does appear in dc comics yeah kind of like uh grant you wish it did, didn't he wish to be like the stone the, or something the stone yep yep he wished to be the stone so he'd be I, that's why he was having other people wish because you could only have one wish mm-hmm. and so like he like created this ponzi scheme essentially is like I don't know if Ponzi scheme is the right word, but it's the scheme and whatnot that where he'd have people say, well, what do you wish for? And what do you wish for my company or what? Like and all these different things. And um, because he was an oil executive in the film, like that was really struggling. And I mean, I think in 1984. Did he need them to survive or something? Was it like an urge to have people like to grant people's wishes or? Was no, it just him um, wanting? Because I remember seeing a scene where he, he like looked manic. Power. Yeah, he wanted power, and so he basically became extremely drunk on power, and just had this like need to keep on going, of having this like complete power struggle. Um, I mean, at the end of the movie, before he's defeated, like he is the oil empire, and like. The, there's crazy stuff happening in the Middle East in the movie, and because he's taking over all the oil, it, I, it's weird. It's weird. Um, hmm. it, I think the the first Wonder Wonder Woman movie is much better than the second one. But like I said, I, I love Pedro. He portrays one of my favorite Star Wars characters now. So yeah. I mean, it, I think it's worth a watch when you have you know two and a half hours just to drop. It is a longer movie. That's rough. yeah. <laughs> That's a rough one. I just don't like Gal Gadot. <laughs> as like an actress i mean it might be harsh i just don't i don't think she's a great actress in these dc roles 
she might also yeah, be another one fine. who needs to like feed off of her environment and other actors and stuff like that. Um, I just don't think, for one thing, she doesn't, in my mind, like fit as Wonder Woman. You know, because I mean, hey, Wonder mm-hmm. Woman. You know, I'm not trying to say you know they gotta have they have to live up to a certain image or what have you, but you know, Wonder Woman was was an Amazonian. She she was beefy. She was a buff chick. You know what I mean? Like intimidating, mm-hmm. you know, like toe to toe with Superman type stuff. And you know, it just it, it felt like a little, eh, you know, like I understand, yeah. like you know, somebody of that stature could be just as powerful. I'm not not saying anything like that. I'm just saying that visual, I just don't get, I get somebody who's at Comic-Con dressed in a Wonder Woman outfit is really what I get. You know what I mean? You see people who do cosplay of Wonder Woman online where it's just like, that's the stature. Like that, that chick is ripped. You know what I mean? Like that, that's exactly how I want Wonder Woman to look. I didn't get that from her. Uh, Superman. I mean, he, you know, in, in those films, say what you want about, about the costume design and stuff like that. But uh, him as 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 Superman as Clark Kent, he looks perfect. You know what I mean? Like he looks exactly like uh, you would want Superman Clark Kent to look. You know, he's very defined jaw. He's a big dude. He's muscular. He, he can pull off that dorky role, but at the same time, look yoked in the suit. Like it's just a, a nice balance. Um, yeah. But with Gal Gadot, it just it it doesn't it doesn't hit home for me with her. Um, some of the I action scene stuff that. is nice, but but Kristen Wiig in the film, I have seen clips of her as what was her character Cheetah? I think right, it was like, Cheetah, yeah, yeah. But her her actual name in the film is like Barbara Minerva or something like mm. that, and it's kind of funny. Like when she comes across the stone, she's she's some type of scientist or archaeologist, and like she's super timid in the first part of the film. And yeah, I mean, when I saw the Kristen Wiig scenes, it it gave off real strong jim carrey edward nigma vibes um mm-hmm. the wild hair the big glasses trying to you know make these beautiful actors not look beautiful and just like the the doofus look just like they did with the uh, jamie fox in the uh, amazing spider-man series just that zany crazy employee or, or zany crazy fan who uh, you know, has pimples and, and shaggy hair all of a sudden becomes beautiful and, and you know, is also led down the, the path of darkness. Like, just so cliche. Uh, I do know that Cheetah is, like, one of the main antagonists in the Wonder Woman universe. So it's a character that probably should have been put on screen anyways. Uh, I just think it looked really bad. <laughs> it looked super bad. I just, I didn't like the way that her character looked when she was full-blown cheetah um and then the gold suit i mean i've seen the gold suit in the past uh but yeah the the cheetah fight with her and the gold suit was just so hokey i was like i am not watching this and then you just <laughs> mentioning that it's two and a half hours i'm not watching this yeah uh, next up i get shazam oh well, there's i aquaman. really like shazam you didn't watch aquaman and you didn't watch aquaman I, no why why would i and you call yourself an amber heard fan good god Oh, oh, hell no. You take that back. So Aquaman is actually a, a fairly decent movie. It's, it's a, the CGI on it is a bit wonky, but hey, you know, in terms of the DC films, it's probably the most watchable. Um, and Jason Momoa is a likable person. So watching him have fun in any capacity is always uh, a treat to watch. So uh, if you can get past Amber Heard and her crap acting and, um, some of the CGI and the way they, they, they made William Defoe look, I can't believe they did that to my boy's hair, but you know, if you can get past that, it's whatever, uh, the ocean master, I believe it is. I forget the villain's name in it. 
super corny, super, super, super corny. The fight scene, anything involving that character is super corny. But if you can, if you could sit down and watch it for Jason Momoa and like that character specifically, it's not bad. Okay. It's not bad. It's not, I would, you're, you're, you brought up Shazam. I would say Shazam's a better film, uh, but Aquaman's not terrible. What did you think okay. about Shazam? You like Shazam? I like Shazam. I, I, I watched it because I, I like Zachary Levi. Um, he was in a show in the mid two thousands called Chuck that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about this like geek who becomes a spy and I, don't know, I, it, I wanted to watch it because I liked him as an actor. And then I just really liked what I saw. Um, you know, it's about this kid who, who's an orphan is in this foster home and is just struggling to find himself and then becomes Shazam. And I don't know, it's really fun. It's I'm, I think they're coming out with a second one in the next year or two. I think that will be a fun movie. It's just a fun movie, if that makes sense. It's it's it, a funner it, movie for like what DC offered normally, for sure. Yeah, it's it doesn't take itself too seriously, and I appreciate they or I appreciate that about some movies where they know it's a little bit goofy, but they and they they treat it as such and not trying to be so serious with it. Yeah. So I did appreciate it for that. Yeah, and. I mean, so, I mean, he made his appearance in, in the D in the uh, Marvel universe. You knew that, right? Zachary Levi. Yeah. He That's played, what? he played Fendral in 2017 played, yeah. Fendral and Thor Ragnarok and Thor dark world. He also played Fendral. Um, I don't believe he played it in the first film. Um, no, the first one was a uh, Josh Dallas. I'm looking at uh, an article from entertainment weekly where it says that he won't be rep- uh, prized. And I'm pretty sure the character um, was killed, so I don't think <laughs> I I don't know what they did with the character. I forget. Um, I didn't even know that character was shown in in Ragnarok, to be honest. But I believe I believe the character was killed off. However, he made comments about like how basically he chose DC, like that's his; those are his boys. Uh, so he's he's not planning on on doing anything with the MCU, and it's like everybody's like, all right, well, who asked? <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, but you know uh, i like Shazam. i like him being that character i think he's funny he's he's got a good grasp on that character and uh, for anybody that doesn't know billy batson originally i mean he was an orphan um but also he did like side hustle dj dj work for a local radio station um so he was supposed to be like a disc jockey and uh, one day when walking home um you know, very kind of in his head about, about his life and stuff like that. He runs into a homeless person who he helps. And after doing so, um, that is Shazam, the wizard who takes him to his, I forget what it's called, but his particular lair, uh, where he has the sins or whatever, the, the seven deadly sins. And, um, he imbues him with the power of, of Shazam. His character is not called Shazam, this is a big thing, and now that we're rounding out these discussions, um, if you really want to get confused, look into the history of Shazam and Captain Marvel and where that has gone over the decades. Um, but originally, Captain Marvel... Okay, so I'm going to go over my memory here. Some of this could be inaccurate, but for the gist of it, um, you have... Shazam is the phrase that's yelled by Captain Marvel to become Captain Marvel. He's yelled by, or it's yelled by Billy, Billy Batson to become Captain Marvel. Uh, Captain Marvel, as I'm sure already that's confusing, you have Captain Marvel in the MCU. Uh, the original name for Shazam, or whatever they call him in the film, I forget, uh, is Captain Marvel. It's just Marvel. Shazam. Yeah, that is not, the, the wizard is named Shazam. 
the wizard that gives him his power. So when he yells Shazam, he's yelling the name of the wizard to give him the power at that moment. So it's not like a Shazam, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a Shazam. Like he's, he's yelling at this guy, uh, through, you know, the, the, the ether to, to give him this power. And that's where the lightning comes from. Um, so his, nice. his character is not supposed to be named Shazam. His character is supposed to be named Captain Marvel. And that character had like a family they're called the Marvels. And it was like a wife, Captain Marvel. I think it's Captain Marvel mrs marvel miss marvel and like something else and there's there's a number of them uh so there was a lawsuit at one point between dc and marvel for the rights uh to the character so dc was able to take shazam however marvel kept captain marvel the term captain marvel so they had to create a character to go with this name now so they reinvented it like four times Uh, i think the first version of it was kind of a lame duck uh, and then as they went on, you started to get what you now know is Captain Marvel in the, the Marvel universe. Yeah, I think Captain Marvel has always been a woman in, in Marvel. Uh, and then there's Marvel, which is referenced in the Captain Marvel films. I think she actually makes an appearance that's supposed to be yeah. like a wizard guy like type character. I don't say wizard, but, you know, well, it's like one of those types um, of character, Marvel. She, in that movie, Marvel is a Cree who disguises herself as a human and is... Um, that's who Carol Danvers Mm -hmm. interfaces with and uh, they're testing this like supersonic plane and it's, that's powered by the Tesseract at the time in like the seventies or eighties or whenever that took place, it may have even been the nineties. Then like that plane crashes and that's how Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Danvers gets the, the power of the Tesseract and becomes Captain Marvel because she was Captain Danvers. Yeah. Anyways. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. And that's, and that's the whole deal with. (laughs) that character and just kind of how they've, how they've adapted it over time. Uh, even the way they did it in the film was different. And uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of just, you know, and, and going back to the DC thing, it's just, that's the, that's the whole drama behind that character. So if you really want to like a good read and just kind of like fall into that pit, uh, the whole thing with, with Captain Marvel and Shazam. So DC didn't like the fact that Marvel created their own Superman. So they took it. What came out the end of it? And I mentioned this in our own little off, off podcast discussion that, uh, you know, I, I was anticipating the Shazam movie because I think in 2004, 2005, I wrote like a 140 page screenplay for my own version of, of Shazam, like what I wanted the film. And, uh, it was based off of the original story and, 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 uh, foundation of the character. And, uh, what actually came out was, was not that bad. I, I thought I would be a little more judgy than I was, but I actually did end up enjoying Shazam quite a bit. Yeah. Like I said, I, I feel like they, they, they took a really good approach to it where they didn't take it too seriously. And it was a little bit more laid back compared to a lot of the other DC movies. Yeah. And it, it was just a fun experience. Yeah. yeah uh, then a uh, <laughs> complete contrast. We have the Joker up next. I mean, I watched that movie I don't know, um, when it came out on HBO plus or whatever HBO's thing is mm-hmm. called. Um, Max. Yeah. HBO Max. It is. I mean, it is a dark film. Um, I, I, I like the movie, but it has a lot to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to like the Joker, but like, I've seen taxi driver, you know what I mean? And yeah, I do like what Joaquin Phoenix did with the character. Um, I'm not a big fan of Joaquin Phoenix as like a person though, to be honest, he's very pretentious. 
Um, and I think that he takes his art form a little bit too uh, serious. I want to say serious, but just, I mean, pretentious is, is the term, you know? And that's fair. That's fair. It's it's what he does with, with characters, though. I mean, I love them in, in like, Walk the Line or something like that. Or Ring of Fire. Yeah, the Johnny Cash. Yeah, uh, really good in there. Other roles, just seeing him growing up, you know, and, and he's always, I mean, Gladiator, you know, super good. Um, Joker, I mean, what he did with like the laugh and stuff, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I get it. I get where they're going with it. However, the basis of the film was just a ripped concept. And, you know, I like all the scenes uh, that that lead into it, you know, uh, that I'm talking about the scene at the end where he pops the dude the head, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. What I don't like, uh, and that was Robert De Niro's character, right? Yeah, that was Robert De Niro, yeah. Yeah, the, the TV show host. Um, yeah, I understand the motivation. I understand how he got there. I understand everything about it. I understand the the uh, the figment of his, his imagination in every context that's that's presented. Um, I understand the ambiguity of of the end scene. Like I get it. Um, it's just I didn't like the turn that the character took from the scene prior to him being on the show to him sitting down and talking like i just i don't know why he was acting that way when he was on the show it's like i like what he said and how and what he ended up doing uh, totally get it but the way that he was delivering those lines um and the way he was just kind of interacting in that scene was like super mm -hmm. weird it was there was nothing prior to that that would indicate that he had those types of mannerisms, uh, you know, to talk in like that weird squeaky voice, uh, childlike uh, mannerisms, um, even when in weird situations or being nervous. Or he's, we see him nervous. We see him in, in manic episodes. We see him in a wide array of, of emotions in the film, but none of them indicated that he would have that weird kind of dialect when talking on, on the show. Uh, the body mannerisms were like completely different and I can see how somebody would say it's like, yeah, that's when he snapped or blah, 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 or, you know, that's, you know, he was putting on a performance or whatever, but it's like, man, this, it felt weird. It felt like a 90 degree turn. Um, I mean, I like the scene. I like the intensity of it. I like the emotion that, that, um, Phoenix is, is giving the back and forth, the, the Robert De Niro's dialogue. I mean, it's, he's, he's, he didn't phone that in either, you know, like he, uh, Robert De Niro actually did a good, a good performance in that, you know, very genuine, uh, in the interaction and just the way the scene was delivered was fine. It was just the way that, that Joaquin Phoenix kind of like changed his character all of a sudden was just so weird, uh, that I couldn't, that I couldn't was, get into it. That was probably a direction and writing choice and not necessarily an acting choice. I don't um, think it was. Not, I, 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 I looked at something. I forget. I'll have to look back at, at the tons of, of behind-the-scenes footage, but I could have swore that there was something where it was like a Joaquin Phoenix decision and okay. nobody got in his way type of thing on the set. You know, like everything oh, was and that's, his. That's stupid. I mean, For, you could you would assume with him, though. You know, he he is that type of, of cat. Yeah. You know? Regardless, um, the, the here's the, my take-home for that movie. It... It made me feel sad for Arthur Fleck and the, as the Joker about how the system failed him. I mean, my wife's a drug and alcohol counselor, and I I can understand how people get failed through the system. And because my wife tries to fight that, she tries to help people get over those different things. And I don't know, I, it, it just made me feel really bad that he just got lost in this big city support system happen, you know? that fails him. 
yeah it does happen you know and oh 100 percent. and it, it's it's just really sad to know that like like in this particular instance of the joker that's his his backstory and how he goes batshit crazy mm-hmm. and like i'm not even knocking like the beats you know like the beats are fine some of the parts are like hokey and it's like eh. like uh, the train scene where he shoots the three guys intense the way it was shot was good lights out you yeah. see the pop, you know, and then it's like, it's not glorified. You know what I mean? It's not like glorified violence. It was like a, a desperate situation type of, of a reaction. And it conveyed that well. Um, I think the dancing down the stairs was a bit hokey. I could see why they did it. Uh, you know, it's, I feel bad for the people that live next to that, that stairwell now because they just can't like sleep because <laughs> it's just nonstop <laughs> people taking pictures and filming stupid ass like TikToks and and all that stuff. Same thing with the um, the Exorcist stairs. Um, it's 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 now infamous. Yep. The character popping up in the suit with all that, it kind of seemed like it's like he had a movie in mind, and then the studio was like, "All right, man, get to it. He's got to be Joker, you know." And then he's like, "Oh, okay." And then just threw him in the suit, and then you got Joker. And the next time you see him talking, even though you see him in the green green room, and he's talking normal and kind of how I would want him to talk, like. It's like, I was hoping for like, no, this is now he's confident, you know, he's made up his mind. He doesn't need to have these nervous mannerisms. You know, he's, he's got his, his mental state in control, even though it's out of control. You know what I mean? I was hoping for that. Uh, instead they gave this, he was having like a panic attack. He was like freaking out. He is like his, he was fidgety. It was like a different take on it. It was just my personal preference on how he delivered uh, that scene was uh was not quite there um but okay. everything okay. about everything about you know uh, his issues and his uh disability and the imagery in his mind and kind of hallucinating these certain scenarios and things like that like yeah it was all good um but as far as like fitting into other dc films how do you feel about that i mean isn't it not in the dceu no, it's not in the DCEU because I guess you would technically consider the Snyderverse as being the DCEU. Yeah. And no. I mean, looking at this Wikipedia article, it even says, like in the notes for that movie, it says not set in the DCEU. And that's the same thing with the new Batman movie, the Batman. Um, yeah. So I don't know if they're going to be in the same universe and they're and the Nolan they're, we're going to see them in Clush. What? You know, and the Nolan verse, like it's not in the DCEU at all. Like, oh no. When they, but, when they say that, they're referring to your Batfleck, your. Um, yeah, your Wonder Woman, your, your Superman. You know, you're you're looking at that yeah. that type of stuff. So, like, yeah, they're not connected. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think honestly, anything that's not connected to that is better just by default. But Nolan verse wouldn't be in there either. No, you know, and with Joker, it's an odd one because Joker is who he is because, and it's said in every medium, he is his opposite. Like Batman is Joker's opposite, and vice versa it's almost as if one can't live without the other. And Mm -hmm. that's how it felt to me. It was like kind of this dead detached world where you were living in a joke, in a Joker world without Batman. And it felt like a half realized dream, you know? I mean, like I said, I mean, I like a lot of, a lot of bits about the movie and I like his performance. I'm not a big fan of him as an actor. and, And the scene at the studio was weird how he decided to act while being on, on stage, but all in all, it was fine. It's just that, you know, you compare that to, you have the reference of Bruce Wayne, right? And he's a kid and Arthur Fleck is 
pretty old, right? He's got to be in his 40s in that film. And um, probably it leads you to assume that it's like, you, know, you might have like a 55 year old Joker, maybe, but you know, it doesn't fit. And, and that was my thing was like not seeing if it fit in like the storyline of like, does it fall after this Batman or before this Wonder Woman or what have you? I'm just saying like, does it fit as a character of the Joker as Joker in I mean, he's Joker, right? There's only one thing that makes him Joker. It's not the knife. It's not the suit. It's not the hair. It's not the laughing. It's the fact that he is the ultimate Batman villain. And if you don't have a Batman operating in the world where Joker exists, does it even fit in a DC film? Like, could this have been not Joker and been just the same? I don't know. I don't don't know if... I just don't know how I feel. I, I need to think on that some more. I don't want to beat a dead horse in the Joker. It's whatever. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's okay. We already went over most. We didn't, not, neither of us saw Birds of Prey because why? Um, I saw My Suicide My father-in-law Squad. likes it. Um, he, he recommended me to watch it. I just didn't feel the need. Oh, really? The want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we talked about Wonder Woman. We talked about the Suicide Squad. Did you see the Batman? I saw the Batman, yeah. Was it good? Did you not see it? I did not. No. Um, I see the general criticism that I also agree with um, that circulates that film's discussion is he does a really good job at playing Batman, but he does a really bad job at playing Bruce Wayne. Um, and then comes um, the, then come the slew of, of rationalization of, you know, well, he's in this headspace and he's he's experienced this and this is where he's at in the storyline. It's like, yeah, whatever, man. Like, I just want to see Batman and Bruce Wayne at some point. At some point, you know, uh, the Batman was like really strong on on the Batman character, but he had like no uh, charisma or he had no added layers to that character that, that really left it satisfying. Um, but as far as like a noir uh, detective film, it's actually pretty good, to be honest. OK, like, okay. Uh, Robert Pattinson as Batman, he's a little angsty. He's a little aggressive, you know, Um there, you could tell that there's a certain mindset of like this Batman doesn't mess around. It's like you thought Batfleck was cool with his like punching people and like smashing him through boxes and stuff, but like this Batman, it's like he'll he'll walk up and punch you in the face and beat you halfway to death before you even finish your sentence. Like that's that's this Batman. You know what I mean? So there's a whole lot of attempts to get him unmasked by like police officers and and stuff. And you know, I think it was a scene at one point he's in a room with he's like at the police station or he's he's in some type of environment where there's like 15 cops in this tight area around him and he's like talking to gordon and uh like one of the cops is like enough of this and like tries to take off his 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 cowl and then just like a fist fight ensues you know so like it's like that type of it's like that type of of nitty-gritty storytelling it's you're not dealing with poison ivy and her trying to take over the underworld or whatever you know it's like a very grounded storyline kind of in that Nolan headspace where the penguin in this, in this film is played by Colin Farrell, I believe where the prosthetics on him are insane. Did not, could not tell that it was him. Uh, did a really good job. His voice, his acting changed his role really well. I guess if the other thing I would comment on is the Batmobile is atrocious. I can't believe they just can't get it right. The last good Batmobile was, I mean, aside from the animated series, but the 1989 Batmobile is like the Tim Burton Batmobile is like hands down, like my favorite Batmobile. 
So to see them just be like, all right, well, we're going to take like a Dodge Challenger or a Mustang. And we're going to rip off the, the, the back end and we're going to put a big old jet engine sticking out of it. And it's like, good God, dude. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like, give me, give me a break. <laughs> um, some cool chase scenes, a lot of practical effects, um, explosions and whatnot. I'm definitely going to say that, that they went closer to Nolan in regards to the filmmaking process. A lot less CGI lot more practical effects stunts and stuff like that i saw multiple comments about uh, some of the chosen camera angles and lighting and stuff like that it's a very dark film so i mean take it for what it is it's it's another batman reboot um but i'd say it's it's you know i, I would rather sit down and watch that again than sit down and watch uh batman v superman for sure fair enough so um on here i mean you got black adam you said there was a it's Shazam coming film, up, right? Yeah. yeah, it's pretty soon. Shazam: Fury of the Gods is the sequel to Shazam. You mentioned Black Adam. I guess would technically be some type of sequel esque to Shazam. Black Adam is the. Uh, There's a reference to that character in the Shazam film about a student that went wayward. Uh, that is Black Adam. In the original story, I believe he is essentially like an egyptian deity because he has these abilities at that in that time era uh, and is trapped away and then eventually gets freed and is the main antagonist for the shazam world he is stronger he is faster he's more trained uh essentially more powerful than shazam it's a character that i dig i didn't have appreciation for the character when i was younger but getting into like black adam and stuff i was like oh i can watch a movie of this but it's the rock this is a black adam film so he will be required to deliver dialogue <laughs> so uh, that whenever that happens with the rock i get a little bit concerned because it comes out a little stinted uh, i like jumanji you know but even then it's like eh, a little hokey from time to time his acting and the way he delivers lines and stuff so um, yeah i mean to be fair the original jumanji was a little hokey so whoa <laughs> easy all right <laughs> original jumanji is, is a masterpiece Oh, I'm, I, I like it can Zathura still too. be a hokey and a masterpiece. They are they are not exclusive to each other. Have you ever seen Zathura? Oh uh, gosh, I think so. You gotta watch it. Dude. It's a John Favreau movie. John Favreau. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I have. It's it's a space version of Jumanji uh, made by John Favreau, and I don't know. I kind of like it more to be honest. No, um, I've I've seen Zathura. I mean, 16, 17 years ago. <laughs> Give Shortly it after it came out. Give it another watch. It holds up, actually. It's very good. A lot of practical effects and suits and all that stuff. Uh, I recommend yeah. it. But, you know, back to, back to uh, you know, Black Adam. I'd say when it comes out, you know, maybe maybe check out the, the public discourse on his acting. And, you know, if it's, uh, I definitely if it's will. some decent, decent, you know, feedback, then maybe give it a watch. Hell, maybe even go to the movie theaters these days, huh? Well, I I mean, speaking of the movie theaters, we have uh, another Marvel movie coming out this week. I'm definitely going to go see. I have uh, next week's my birthday, or next weekend is my birthday, so I'm going to uh, treat myself and go to the movie theater. All right. Nice, nice. Yep. To see my boy That's Thor. That's gonna be uh, yeah, Thor: Love and Thunder, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably not gonna be able to uh, to do that. My movie going experience is a little iffy these days with uh, you know taking care of a baby and all that stuff. Um, also, yeah, too, I mean the, get the a babysitter. I don't know. I mean, it's it's the you gotta be concerned about what you bring home too. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. You don't want to be bringing in the COVIDs, but uh, no. You know you got other movies on here too: Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom, uh, The Flash, <laughs> Lull we'll see how that goes um we'll we'll record another segment uh, and throw it up on patreon about 
about some of the drama with the DCEU and all that stuff, but uh, don't know if The Flash is going to happen. That might be scrapped. It might be delayed another two years, and they just re reshoot the entire thing. Who knows? I mean, he's he's getting paid regardless. That's just... If anything that, that the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial taught me was that these people get paid regardless if they get put in the movie or not once they sign that contract. Then you got Blue Beetle, which will be interesting. Uh, Blue, Beetle, Blue Beetle has been around. I don't think too many people are familiar with the character outside of, like, fan fans, uh, like DC fans. Um, cool mm -hmm. costume. Don't know too much about it. I do know there was, I think there was a cartoon about the character at one point. Has made some appearances in some TV shows. Maybe even Smallville at one point, I forget. But uh, there's a few movies, a few movies. No talk about whether or not they're going to be bringing back our boy Zack Snyder. So a good future we're, we're looking at here, potentially. <laughs> Um, oh, also, hey, okay. I'm I'm looking a little more into that right now. Um, have you seen Cobra Kai? No. On Netflix. Okay. I that is a great show. I think you should watch it when you have time. But uh, one of the main actors is uh, cast as Blue Beetle. Hmm. Okay. I mean, the costume is really cool. It's a little a little weird and like hokey, but it's it's a cool costume when they commit to it. And it, from what I saw, they did commit to it. Um, another speculatory uh, toss. Into the pot would be a uh, reboot on the Superman franchise, uh, being helmed is by J.J. It... Abrams himself. Oh no! Uh, let's not do any more reboots with J.J. Abrams Just for a while. Don't let him ever. write it. If you don't let him write it, it'll be fine. He knows how to direct, and he's the closest Ugh. to a, a Spielbergian director that we have in this generation. I mean, we still have Spielberg, but he's not really Spielberg anymore. Um, he's old. He's just not. He's not. He's yeah, not yeah. motivated. <laughs> Well, he has no I reason mean, to be motivated. I mean, look at Jurassic Park. is a maybe. great director if you like uh, lens flare. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, watch, uh, what is it, 8mm? Are you talking about Super 8? <laughs> yeah, that's a different different format, my bad. That's a, I have not. That's a really cool movie, actually. That is That falls right there with like Stranger Things and The Goonies. It is literally just a group of kids dealing with a crazy scenario and them doing their their you know kid things to to handle it um, okay it's just a really good story it, it's shot very spielbergian it's very like movie it's like a filmmaker's movie people who like uh certain shots and angles and just the act of making film uh tied in with this whole like crazy story so another one i recommend okay i'll have to i'm watch as you were describing it i was watching a a trailer without sound on it and like it was kind of funny. Every time you would say something, like it would show up in the trailer. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll have to give it a shot. It's good acting. If you like, if you like kids, like kid actor movies, like Goonies, where the kids have this dialogue between them, where it's just very, it's no nonsense and very real. You know, like it's mm -hmm. a good, it's a good one of those movies. It's it's a, it's very Goonies for sure. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Aside from the speculation of of uh, the reboot. For uh, Superman, I mean, technically we already got a reboot for Batman, whether or not, I mean, by this point, they don't have to stick in line with what universe they're going with, what they could just make whatever they want and whatever sticks to the wall sticks. Um, yep. There's tons of stuff on TV. I mean, we could have gone into, I could have gone into hours of Smallville alone. Uh, there's uh, like the Dean Kane Superman and Lois or whatever it is. Um, that show, I mean, Dean Kane now is like some right wing crazy person and then uh 
you know, you have Smallville actors going to prison and all this crazy. It's like, there's so much to talk about with all these previous uh, versions of these characters and the TV versions and stuff like that. We're not even going to bother. But uh, like I said, we're not even going to get into the, the specificity of these DCEU films from the Snyderverse, uh, mainly because we just, we're not big fans and it'll do more just pissing people off than, than entertaining anybody. So yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and kind of wrap it up there. Anything else you got to say about any of these films that we maybe left out? I don't think so. I think we covered, you know, the things that we wanted to cover and needed to cover. Yeah. So I guess we will uh, call it there. Um, this is a little bit longer than our last week. We couldn't really hold this in phases because this DC is not as organized as the MCU. It's easy to kind of culminate our conversations in smaller bits. Uh, this one, we kind of worked down the line of the older films and negated some of the newer films. But yeah, that's uh, that's it for that. We're going to go ahead and do our, our standard plug of all of our social medias, which you can find at Nerd Chatter Show at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitch, uh, and YouTube if you want to head on over there. All the links are in the description below. And if you're listening to this on any of the podcast platforms, you can head on over to our website at nerdchatter.com. Uh, should also throw it out there that we do, and I did mention it a couple times in the segments, um, that we do have a Patreon where we do extra bits of recordings or extra segments or uh, behind the scenes or work in progress, that type of thing, over on our Patreon. And a uh, link for that is also in the description down below. And uh, yeah, next week we're mowing over whether or not we're going to do a Harry Potter conversation because we could always talk a little bit about that. Um, I think we're both fans of the Harry Potter universe uh, and just kind of the wizarding universe in general. Um, but we may we may kind of hold that off to a little bit more appropriate time of the year, maybe closer to Halloween, and uh, jump right into what this show is actually intended to be, which is a multi-segment show on a weekly basis where Garrett and I pick up a, a story or two each, uh, and then we discuss it about 10-15 minutes at a time in an hour-long show. These would be uh, game reviews, game trailer releases, uh, movie announcements, um, you know, if if we were if we were live during the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, we probably would have been joking about that quite a bit. All kinds of stuff. So uh, anything and everything nerdy that we can get our hands on, we're going to try to throw on these shows. Garrett, I want to say thank you for joining me once again on our weekly podcast. Heck yeah! And like I said, guys, we will be back next week with either the Harry Potter or right into the multi-segment show. So uh, you guys take it easy. <laughs>